0: Welcome to Digital Insider, a podcast series about the digitalization of retail. I am Bernardo Lindgruber, and together we'll meet with business leaders, thinkers, and academics to discuss how the business landscape is transforming. Our guest today is Maria Paula Capuzo, VP and General Manager of Brazil at Colgate-Palmolive. With over 25 years of experience inside the company, she's one of the most expert professionals out there in the industry and the first Brazilian and first woman to be president of Cogate Palmo Livre in its 95 years making Brazilian smile. Welcome, Maria Paula.
1: Thank you, Bernardo. Thank you so much for the invite. It's a wonderful pleasure to be with you today.
0: The pleasure is all ours. Be sure of that. And I'm very, very happy to have this conversation with you. And to start off with the conversation... Uh, Can you tell us what do you consider key in your career uh, that have brought you to where you are today?
1: Sure, Uh, it's a good reflection point. I think uh, my leadership journey uh, beyond my career has not been just a collection of positions, titles, jobs, uh, or specifically professional experiences, but instead the sum of the people that have inspired me, challenged me, and uh, lived with me through experiences uh, that shaped who I am today. It was really the fusion of personal and professional experiences and high-low moments, uh, always staying studious, curious, hardworking, and trying to explore uh, everything that was new in front of me.
0: Amazing. It sounds like a very good uh, set of things to have on the back. Right, Uh, when you are working, and uh, I must say that one thing I love about interviewing people with a lot of experience, such as yourself, is to get their perspectives on the early stages of things that are happening today. Right, so uh, talking about e-commerce and digital transformation, which are like almost like buzzwords these days, you have probably been there when it all started at Kogac Pomolivi. Right, so. Do you have any recollections from those early days that you can share with us?
1: Absolutely. I think we we started probably around uh, 2018 when uh, we we realized we needed to get a bit more in depth of what was happening to people, uh, to the market in Brazil. And we I remember at that time we set up a, a, a trip to Brazil. I was actually not in this position. I was in a prior position in the um, Latin America division, and uh, we came to talk to thought leaders, people that were really making the change in the country. And it was early days, as you said, I I think at that time, we didn't have more than a handful of unicorns in Brazil uh, and and, uh, a lot less focus, both from the retail and the industries on uh, digital. Uh, With that trip, we basically talked to, I don't know, at that time, maybe 15 thought leaders in different industries, academic leaders as well, experts in the subject. And we just realized how much we didn't know. And we had to make a concerted effort to learn but also to um, sensitize the whole company in understanding how important that was for us. So that was the early days. uh, And and I have to say, you know, the the beginning was uh, quite disturbing because you you feel like a little bit, you feel extremely humbled and, and certainly not knowledgeable. And I think the fears we felt during that experience made us sensitive to the fact that when we were going to expand this experience to the rest of the company, we had to also be very sensitive to the the fears of everybody else. Uh, Facing the new is not usually a very uh, simple thing. Uh, It it takes you out of your comfort zone. So that was the very early, early stage. And then much more came.
0: Amazing, amazing. And uh, I think a good way to look at at these two different phases is is understanding what are the main differences between what it was then and and today right what it is today and i think i mean it's inevitable not to mention it but the pandemic changed the game for everyone right in in this uh digital business so can you like explore a little bit what what are the main differences you see between when you started and and today
1: Absolutely. Let me talk about the journey. After that, in 18, in 2019, we did make a concerted effort. We decided what was our North Star, our vision and our purpose with the digital transformation, not doing it just because it was fancy and a la mode, Mm -hmm. but doing it because it was really powerful to uh, unlock growth for the company. And we needed to be purposeful, but also choiceful. Uh, I think leadership is very much about what you decide not to do Mm. than uh, what you decide to do. So at that time, we decided that the first thing to focus on was mindset and our people, really upskilling our people because uh, it's it's interesting, but I think uh, when digital transformation doesn't happen, people tend to think that the project was wrong or the technology was wrong. I think when it doesn't happen, or uh, it, it is difficult to happen, is really because you're not bring, bringing people along. The human capital, uh, it's so powerful to drive any transformation that we certainly decided to start there. So we uh, developed a, a program with a, a local university called Inspur, uh, where we um, had immersive experiences into what digital really meant for a full week together with the leadership team of the company in Brazil. And then after that, we also decided to partner with a matchmaking company for startups so that we would learn a little bit more, not, o- not only about what startups can do, but more importantly, the way they worked. Mm -hmm. And we would be challenged in thinking about working as a a centenary uh, FMCG, but also facing some potential ways of advancing uh, our ways of working, uh, inspired by uh, some of those startups. So that was back then. Then after that, we had a clear roadmap for digital transformation, and we chose two, three, four areas where we would focus. And that was much before the pandemic, Bernardo. I must -hmm. must say, and I'm so glad because when the pandemic hit, uh, I would say it got us quite ahead of the curve in a few, uh, in in a number of fronts. Uh, So uh, we started then by uh, choosing the right talent, and I think. Uh, we had, a, we have Colgate, we are so lucky, we have a formidable team, amazing talent. But we were uh, very honest to ourselves to say there were some specific areas that are required in the digital transformation that we didn't have the knowledge to take on. Mm-hmm. So we did a combination of upskilling our teams and investing on their, their training, but also bringing amazing talent from uh, the external world. and. With the two, and the, uh, I think everything starts with culture and the, the superb culture, very strong culture that bonds us all together at Colgate, the magic started to happen. So today, I think uh, we are at a completely different stage from that, those early times when it was about, you know, the right talent, the right choices, the right focuses, uh, the projects, and so on. Today, I have to say the teams are extremely empowered Mm -hmm. and and I think when digital starts to happen right, you have uh, people are testing uh, in a consistent way. They are choosing and aligning with the leadership team, which are going to be the MVPs they're going to do and we track the MVPs. You are collecting the learning and pivoting on the learning uh, you are driving specific KPIs and you are also leading that with your external partners. Uh, and uh, you constantly, you know, feed that virtual uh, circle. And I think that's where we are today.
0: Amazing, amazing. Yeah, uh, the, the, the impact of the pandemic in the industry was huge, right? And, and it's amazing to learn that you were already... I mean, not getting getting ready because there was no such a thing, but you were already ready, right? <laughs> if you can say that uh, when it all started ahead of the curve, as you said. Um, was there anything that you've changed that was actually better than how it was before?
1: I think we changed many things, but what okay. we didn't change, and I think I would start where we didn't change, we didn't change the boldness of our dreams. Our dream was really big and we stayed uh, positive and focused on that dream, working hard and enjoying the journey as a full team, engaging everybody, sharing the results of the good, the bad, and the ugly, the the learnings, but also the positives. And that started to create a lot of momentum. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think what we do better today is certainly that we're more comfortable, I, I think, at all levels of the organization. So therefore, I think that the space that people have to create and make a difference has enlarged tremendously and that has unlocked even more growth. The other thing that I think we're better at is at um, also uh, collecting the information of the tasks. If I see in some of the areas of the digital transformation, when we started our MVPs, Uh, We started with a certain cost or a certain time to gather, uh, let's say, for example, uh, information or first-party data. And then as you progress, you realize there are many other ways to do it and better ways. Uh, So I think we're more data-oriented. As we collected the data, we're much more data-oriented. The third thing I think we're much better now is that we're automated on multiple fronts. So in the beginning, it was quite difficult to combine the data from the offline world with the online world and looking at things in silos. I think nowadays, uh, we fully understand that we have to start with people first. Mm -hmm. And people are behaving both online and offline simultaneously. So you cannot look at things in a silo in in isolation, you have to combine all of those informations and understand their journeys, understand how they're behaving to be able to uh, better serve them. So I think we we have become much better in terms of putting people at the center and uh, delighting our consumers as well. Now, there's much more to be done, you know, even if we were slightly ahead of the curve, even if we have been investing, even if we have progressed, We always feel humble by the amount of transformation we continue to see. And uh, we always stay not only open, but active in learning what's changing and what's happening to continue staying ahead of the curve.
0: Amazing. Well, one thing that I've definitely learned uh, doing this podcast so far is that there will always be have something more to do right there. There is always the next thing. There's always something new happening. So, yeah, that it's uh, an infinite loop of things.
1: And and, uh, to complement what you said, you know, I I like a quote, I don't remember from who it is, but it is uh, it goes like this. The future belongs to the learners, not the knowers. Mm -hmm. So if you lead in any transformation, including the digital transformation, uh, with that in mind, you will always feel that you are the person that knows the least in the room and you will always foment learning for yourself and for everybody that works with you. So you learn and learn, relearn. And that is a continuum that really, I think, energizes and inspires the whole organization to move forward.
0: Definitely, definitely. And, and it's, it's definitely inspiring to see a leader such as yourself with this mindset. I would risk saying that it's not like, commonplace to, to have this approach. Um, But we'll talk more about that in a a second. I just want to go back and and talk a little bit about the industry, right? Because the CPG industry, historically, I would say it's it's not really recognized by being the first to arrive at places like digital transformation or e-commerce, you know, even though there is a lot of innovation coming from the products, right? The channels and the way to arrive at the consumers and talk to them is like, I feel like there is always a lag, right, in the CPG industry. Do you consider Kogai a company with digital maturity? You mentioned like a lot of improvements and things you did in the since you started this journey, right? I think automation, for example, is, in my opinion, a, a sign of a certain level of maturity. Uh, but how do you see yourself in this scale?
1: I think Colgate as a company broadly worldwide has been uh, strongly committed to digital transformation. It's part of our mission. Uh, we wanna create a better future for uh, our people, the pets, and the planet. And uh, as you said, I, I'm always smiling, it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, we are optimists and, and that's our mission uh, to create smiles which are very empowering. So uh, Colgate understands that to create that future Uh, It's sine qua non, it's uh, that we uh, have a strong focus on digital, because that's where everybody, you know, is really going. Uh, That starts with strong focus on innovation in that area at the center of the company, at the corporation. We have tremendous talent, people that have come to uh, really teach, sparkle, and inspire us to continue progressing, but it's complemented. By the people on the ground, as I've mentioned to you before, mm-hmm. so I think we have made enormous inroads because the company is committed and it's uh, investing on that consistently. Um, now, digital maturity can be seen in in multiple ways. You know, I, I, I'm in nature uh, a person that. Uh, has uh, always a thought uh, related to there's always more to learn and to do. And I think, uh, you know, humility in that sense uh, here for digital is uh, uh, a mindset. If you look at some of the examples uh, in other industries like Netflix, for example, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how many times did they reinvent themselves? Uh, Actually, uh, the book uh, of uh, uh, Reed Hasslings is one of the best books I've read in the last years. And he talks about how many times he chose to, uh, they chose to reinvent themselves. And and I think that's the same for us as leaders nowadays. It's Mm -hmm. not enough, um, as I said before, you know, to be a knower. You have to constantly be a learner. You have to constantly reinvent Yourself without losing your core values, without losing your purpose, but you have to experiment uh, with a focus in mind, key areas, uh, but be open to change. And and you know I that uh, reminds me that I always think about, um, for example, artists. Mm-hmm. There aren't many musicians, for example, that lasted multiple decades and generations. If you think about that, for uh, maybe for my generation or uh, the one similar to us, in our times, uh, there were just very few. Let's say, for example, Madonna was one of them. And think about how many times she reinvented herself in the last decades. Mm. And I don't know exactly how she is now, but I can tell you for at least 20 or 30 years, she kept herself relevant and at the top of the parades, let's say. And that's what we have to do. We have to continue uh, being there. So we are, I think, you know, advancing in maturity. We are not the leading of the curve. Uh, I think other industries and players are. But within FMCG, uh, what I can tell you uh, is that uh, I think we're pretty proud of the progress we are making. And in some of the transformations that are not only consumer-facing, but uh, many times they are either customer-facing or internal, Mm -hmm. I would say even ahead of the curve. You know, we have digitalized and automated a number of non-consumer-facing processes uh, with robotics, with uh, image recognition, and many other things. That I think are uh, helping us drive not only uh, better um, uh, consumer propositions, but also drive productivity. And and I think that that as, is as important as
0: amazing, amazing. And you just brought one thing that uh, I think is is good to point out that digitalization is not necessarily about the consumer-facing things or the things that you know are visible for everyone, uh, but. an essential part of that is what you do that's internal that is processes that is optimization right uh and it's often forgotten Uh, another thing i wanted to to kind of uh pick from what you said is that there is no like there are multitude of angles where you know through which you can look at digitalization and i would like to add that there's also not a correct answer right it's like every company, every segment will have its own answer, and it's not like one is right, another is wrong, or one is better, like you have a a, a kind of a tailored answer for each each company and each segment. I would risk saying like people and learning are uh, walking hand in hand for you. And I'd like to start this next topic by getting your take on leadership. Like, what are the key elements of your leadership toolbox?
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I, uh, I talk about leadership with six Cs. And uh, the first C, uh, not surprisingly, is curiosity. And I, I think it's about provoking foresight and staying open, as we already discussed. The second C to me is clarity. Because, uh, you know, you can try to chase uh, multiple shiny objects, but they are going to add no value. So as I said before, to me, leadership is sometimes even more about what you decide not to do Mm -hmm. than what you decide to do. So if you have clarity and the whole company has clarity and they help build uh, uh, the future uh, uh, plan for your company, you kind of future proof your organization and everybody is on the same boat. So I think that's fundamental. The third one, uh, the third C to me is courage. And I say courage because uh, it's not easy <laughs> to choose. As you say, there's never just one right or wrong answer, never to mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. But as a leader, you need to be willing to understand what the issues are together with your team and make bold choices, so you need to be courageous. Uh, some things you're gonna have to, to decide to stop doing, uh, to free up time for focus on future growth. Some things you decide to double down on, some things you just decide to continue. And for example, investing on automation is a long journey and it's a, it's a, a long-term commitment. But if you decided to do that and the team is with you, you're gonna get to a point that is, you didn't even imagine in the beginning. So just, you know, courage to me is quite, quite important. Then communication. Uh, Communication needs to be this uh, rhythm of talking and listening. It's very important to understand that people who know best what's happening are the people that are uh, doing the tasks, being at the front of the consumer, from your merchandisers or promoters in store, uh, to the people that listen to them on uh, uh, their, uh, your consumer affairs, for the people that work on uh, your uh, uh, internet communication, mm-hmm. uh, the social listening, uh, to the people that are in the plants, uh, the people that are doing uh, talking to the customers and I love to talk to the customers too okay. so communication is super important and I cannot underscore how much time as a leader uh, you have to invest on listening I think I I uh, learn more from listening uh, than anything that I have done in the past over my almost 30 years career and that's every day. And uh, the the other point is that I think I will never be satisfied enough with the amount of reading I do. So that's <laughs> really important. But the other thing is then when after you listen, you need to get back to people. You know, you need to, to tell them what you are tackling, how you're tackling it, how the company is tackling it. But very importantly, especially in face of moments uh, that are so complicated for people to live, you have to recognize their difficulties Mm -hmm. and you, you also have to support them. But you have to infuse this positive energy and repeat the same message with emotion and enthusiasm so that everybody will continue to see the value of what they are doing. And I think that's unreplaceable. Finally, I have two more. Yes, you have no, a question.
0: B- before, you, before you move to the next C, I'd just like to point out that I find it's amazing that you uh, include listening in the communica- in the C communication, right? Because uh, I think on a first glance, you would expect like communication is the way I talk or the clarity I bring to the communication I do. But a huge and very important part of communicating is listening, right? So I just wanted to point out that that's, I think it's a... Uh, it's a very inspiring way to look at both leadership and communication
1: you know i i, I repeat i have uh, the best team in the world so <laughs> if i don't listen to all of those brilliant minds and uh, the, the stuff that they teach me i would be crazy you have no idea like yeah. in my bi-weekly calls with the digital commerce team or the digital marketing team or any area on the company the amount i learned And the amount I realize I don't know yet is crazy. So, yeah, listening is super important. Mm -hmm. So my next C is closeness. And why do I say closeness? It links to listening. But, you know, you cannot be like in a crystal uh, room away from everybody and trying to understand things from a computer or just the people that report to you. Mm -hmm. You need to be a part of the problem as much as you are a part of the solution. People need to know that you are with them in the good and in the bad times. No one is smarter or dumber because the numbers or the results in one moment were better or worse. You know, the, the, the context changes. So closeness, I think, creates trust. When people understand you are all together and they are, we are all rowing together, uh, it's, it just creates trust. And trust unlocks So much potential, right? Uh, Think about, you know, I I sometimes watch those people rowing on rivers. When you see like a person rowing on herself or on himself, he goes at a certain speed. Mm -hmm. But then certainly you see like a a, a boat with six people rowing together in perfect synchrony, and they go like, wow, at a Mm -hmm. super high speed. And that's what you want. You want to be close to people so that you all roll together you trust each other and you're synchronized Mm -hmm. and the final one is a colgate value that i think is unreplaceable which is care you know towards all of these difficulties it was impossible for us not to put people first and when i say people is not only our consumers it starts in the house our people our people health our people's safety, our people's mental health, their needs, their difficulties. And we created multiple programs to lead with compassion, to really understand what would make a difference to them. And uh, and also I think with care goes the fact that you have to feel comfortable with being challenged. So uh, one of the things that I love the most (laughs) Is my reverse mentors. So I have started reverse mentoring uh, a few years ago, and I purposefully choose people that I know are gonna make me highly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, sometimes people that come from a very different place that I come, uh, think very differently, work in a very different area, or have had a very different career. Uh, but see the world in a way that will only enhance my perspective. Because if everybody thinks the same, you should think harder. You're doing something wrong. Uh, If everybody is aligned and thinking the same way, you're probably missing on so many opportunities. So Mm -hmm. I really think that part of caring is really understanding diverse points of view, diverse places, diverse thoughts, and making sure that you embrace them you include them and you also make them contribute to a better future
0: amazing amazing I love the idea of reverse mentoring I think it's brilliant I never seen anyone doing that Um, but I think it's really really I I think more leaders should do this you know Um, to be more uncomfortable to learn from from different backgrounds as you said I think I mean it's just amazing And uh, we are going through the end of our conversation, unfortunately. So I have two more questions. One is, um, it's clear now at this point of the podcast and and our conversation, the importance of people uh, when we are dealing with uh, digital transformation or huge changes, uh, regardless of the origin of this changing. Um, And and one thing you mentioned uh, in a previous conversation we had was about strategic hiring. Right, um, right. And, and and strategic hiring also have multiple facets, right? It can be you can focus more on skill, you can focus more on background or on gender diversity. There are many ways to 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 look at this, as most of the things we talked about today. So, can you can you talk a little bit of about the approach you took uh, ov- uh, specifically focused to this challenge of digital transformation at Kogas? <laughs>
1: Yes, for sure. But this will be a very short answer.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: I think strategic hiring to me is to hire for difference, not for okay. sameness. If you, do, if you do the usual hiring process, you, you will probably look for people that, uh, you know, have the best fit in the culture, the best, uh, that they ki- kind of emulate whoever is looking for them. And I think we need to eliminate those biases from these processes. So as a company, we are so committed to look for differences. Uh, I think uh, sometimes that means uh, having to delay the hirings, having to look more, having to put some people uncomfortable, even yourself. Uh, But it's just I think um, there's no value in bringing uh, people that uh, certainly think differently than you think, than the leader of the area think, and then others think and their contributions will be more and more unique. So uh, as I said, we are so fortunate to have so many great talents that when we go outside, we certainly go for a difference. We're really happy with the people we have. And when we go outside, it's for a difference.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Not not a short answer at all, but very on point. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And also gives room for the last question, the final question. I always ask for all the guests here, um, which is, from your experience, what advice would you give to make digital transformation a smoother process for companies that are going through it right now?
1: I think it should never be only top-down. And like any transformation, uh, you have to be able to clearly articulate what is in it for every stakeholder. What's in it for your team? What's in it for your customer? What's in it for your consumer? What's in it for everyone that you you deal with? Mm. Uh, And you have to also take their contributions to enhance the initial plan and continue pivoting, continue learning. If you believe digital transformation is a once and done, you're really wrong. If you need digital transformation is a single play or a one person job or one area job, forget it. It's it's a, a team sport. If you think digital transformation is one project, no. <laughs> and if you think you're going to get it right in the first or second try, you know, I would advise you to be open because in some cases you might, but in many, you have to continuously trying to improve over time. So I would say be resilient, uh, keep humble and stay curious and keep energizing your team. Be a part of it. There, it's, it's so amazing to be a part of this, And have the team being with you. So just uh, stay open.
0: (laughs) Wow, I couldn't think of a better way to to end not only the episode, but this is also the season finale of uh, the first season of Digital Insider. So thank you a lot, Maria Paula. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And it was uh, an honor to have you here for our final episode of the first season of Digital Insider.
1: Thank you so much Bernardo and the whole Vtex team for this invite to Colgate Palmolive. Uh, We're really proud to be a part of this and this invite to me. And I think beyond thanking you, I really have to thank the Colgate team around the world, our digital teams uh, in the corporate environment, but very much so my amazing One Brazil team at Colgate Brazil that has made all of this possible and has taught me so much along the way. Thank you all, if you're listening, I'm forever thankful and glad for having been working with you all of these last two and a half years. You are amazing.